Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of The Birds and the Lees, where we talk about uh, being a family in ministry and what life is like. And uh, my name is Nathan, and I am joined by my wife, Kim. And uh, it's a Friday evening, and we are, uh, if you have seen the previous episode, we're talking about ourselves. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> that sounds... Oh, ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous and it sounds very <laughs> vain. But what we felt yeah. was uh, maybe the best launching point, because we've been doing a couple episodes prior to this, uh, we thought maybe the best launching point was for us to share a little bit more about ourselves so then you can guys can sit there and go, okay, that's who these people are, you know, instead right. of, because we're not famous. We're yeah. not, uh, nope, we are, we are not famous so at all. Average. We're not in some gigantic, you know, 10,000 person church. Right. Uh, you know, I'm a family pastor at a church that I love and, uh, you know, it's in Texas. We yep. live in the DFW area. Um, but again, you know, we're not somebody you're going to have heard of before. And right. hopefully maybe by the time you're done, you'll feel uh, that maybe you know us a little bit better and you're comfortable yeah. and, you know, maybe we're nice people. I yeah. don't know. So having said that, uh, Kim, we said that uh, I would be telling my portion of my story. And, and yeah. we're doing this, like like we said in the previous episode, chapters like episodics. And so we're really only going to go through childhood. Right. Um, maybe up through high school. Right. Going so into last college. time. You I, went, we went through you going through undergrad. So. Yep. Last time I talked about kind of my childhood growing up. And so now it's your turn to talk a little bit. About where you came from and okay. um, your parents a little bit and kind of how being in ministry plays into all that. So in your situation, maybe talk, you're, you may have to go even back as far as your parents. And hmm. I don't know if I need to go back that far. Okay. Maybe, maybe down the road just we l- can talk just a little bit. Yeah. So. Well, then I guess we will start at the beginning. So um, I was born uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. I've actually moved quite a bit, whereas right. you are a native Dallasite. Yeah. I'm not. I'm a transplant from uh, other places. So I was born in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Um, my mom was a nurse or is a nurse. Well, she's not a currently one, but she's she is a nurse by trade. My dad uh, went to Bible college. He'd been in the Navy. He went to Bible college. Uh, he grew up a Navy kid. Mm-hmm. Um, his, uh, my grandfather was a career Navy man, career sailor. And, uh, so they met while my dad was stationed in Memphis, believe it or not. He was, uh, in the Naval air, whatever. I don't fully understand it, but, uh, and, uh, my mom was at nursing school. And so they met, and they were married, and uh, of course, obviously, uh, I came along, and then I have a brother, um, which is unique between the two of us, because you're an only child, and I have one brother, not a big family, but I have one brother, and uh, so having said that, my dad uh, was a pastor for a while, I think that's early on, and the timeline's a little bit hazy for me, Uh, he was a pastor, and then he stepped down out of ministry, um, but I was always kind of surrounded by church. Um, he actually ended up going to work for Frito-Lay for 25 years and worked right. his way up to an executive position well, at Frito-Lay. I think, I think more important than being surrounded by church is you were surrounded by the thought that in-depth knowledge of how you perceived the Bible and studied it was very important. Well, yeah. I mean, I come from a, a, a long line of not only are you going to church, but you're actually uh, studying the Bible. You're actually studying God's Word. And so... Right. Um, Having a proper viewpoint, proper theology uh, was very important. Having a a proper understanding of salvation and uh, what discipleship is, that was very uh, important. Though not always something that I understood, obviously, until I was much older. 
and even now still obviously still learning we're always learning um, I, I don't say that I have a complete grasp or uh, I'm the be-all end-all of knowledge on on theology but uh, it was important I, I think beyond just we didn't go to church in the sense of and and for a while there I feel like uh, we weren't as involved there was a point that I do remember that my parents got us really really plugged in um, you know, I went to a private school. I went to a private Baptist elementary school in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay, but you were born in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, Tennessee. Then you moved to Charlotte. We moved. Actually, we moved to Salisbury, North Carolina. Okay. And then we moved to Charlotte when I started kindergarten. Okay. Um, so we were. In, Dad was being transferred for Frito Life. So we started uh, kindergarten. I was started at a uh, like I said a private Baptist. Elementary school, which was incredibly strict. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't kind of like the the Catholic school nuns rapping on your knuckles kind of thing, but you know, it was t-shirts with no prints on them. You know, our boys oh. always had a belt. We had the right. haircut. In fact, the haircut that we had, if you went to a, a certain barber shop and just said, "Give me the north side," yeah. they knew exactly what haircut you had to have, and they'd cut it that way because that's where everybody went to get their haircut. So uh, we were in Charlotte until. Um, 80 late 84 I was getting ready to go into fifth grade or no I was in fifth grade uh no yeah I was going into fifth grade and getting ready to move up to middle school I believe or I was in anyway either way I was getting ready to go into middle school right and uh you know up to that point you know I was a straight a kid I always you know I never got in trouble I got spanked once or twice in school because we had corporal punishment at a private school so we got paddled Different got, day and time. Yes. <laughs> I got paddled once for peeing on the playground because they wouldn't let me go to the bathroom. So I found a corner of the playground and decided I just needed to go. And Ew. the principal's daughter caught me and I got paddled for that. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple things. I got paddled. I mean, you know, you just did that. In fact, I was in Awana and what we would do, Awana met at the school, which was also our church. And I would sneak, we would all sneak into the classrooms of the grade above us to try to figure out which teachers had the paddles that we didn't want to experience. Ah, so that's, yes. yeah, we would check them out. So that's when we knew which class we didn't want to be in. But I would say overall, you know, the childhood was, was fairly normal. My dad was a lot of fun, you know, so mm-hmm. he would do things like uh, he bought pop guns for us, these Daisy air rifle pop right. guns, and he would buy one for him. And, you know, we'd have shootouts. We lived on this property that had a lot of, space so fun it was fun it had lots of woods and we'd yeah. run around in there uh one time i wanted a, a plastic gladiator sword that i saw in a toy store <laughs> and he didn't he was kind of like i can make one better than that so he made us these big wooden swords that oh could probably legitimately kill someone uh, having a son that terrifies yeah, me yeah i mean people got hurt uh-huh. and uh but it was fun i mean he was involved we jokingly said you know when i was a teenager uh you always hear this this term, the absentee father. Right. Yeah, I had the perfect attendance dad, though yeah. I kind of wanted him to go away yeah. when I was older. I was like, yeah. okay, I'm a teenager. Quit bugging me. Um, but, you know, it wasn't a case. My parents, they've been married uh, 50 years next year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we're coming up on their 50th, which is a big mm-hmm. deal. And, yeah. and they've been married this entire time. And, um, you know, as any marriage, there's up, down, and whatever. Yep. So... Uh, we always had a model, my brother and I, of, uh, I think, a, a, a good model of a dad and husband. You know, nobody's perfect, and I know that about myself. 
And, uh, you know, but obviously my parents love each other and we always saw that, mm-hmm. um, very, very visible, sometimes almost too visible because the dad was always kissing my mom in front of my friends, which Blah. was, which was gross. Uh, but we did fun things, you know, like we'd take motorcycle rides. He gave me a motorcycle helmet mm-hmm. when I was a kid, if I learned to ride my bike. So mm-hmm. I learned to ride my bike, got a motorcycle helmet, and then I could ride with him on his motorcycle and mm-hmm. we would do hour long rides and it was fun. Yeah. Uh, my brother is uh, three years younger than me. And he's a little bit different than I am. Uh, we're definitely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're definitely two different ends of the spectrum when it comes to just personalities. I'm obviously, uh, if anyone who knows me, I'm a much more, let's just say, passionate person. Um, right. Much more emotional. I have, you know, the, I have the anger. I have the temper that comes from the family. Whereas, you know what my favorite difference is? What's that? <laughs> that <laughs> you cannot handle the sight of blood. Yeah. Or I, anything. Well, no, I can handle blood. It's I can't handle broken bones. Okay. That nauseates but me. Your brother works. He's a nurse. Pr- he prefers the ER. Yeah, he he's a <laughs> he's a nurse and he likes the gross stuff and he yeah. loves to share the gross stuff with yeah. us. He's married and uh, his wife is a nurse's right. or nurse practitioner. I forget the term, but you know, she, she's she's amazing at what she does and that's She's very it. good at what she does. He's very good at what yeah. he does and they love to talk about gross stories. Um and use terms that I'm just staring there blankly because, you right. know, I'm an English, my, my, I have an English degree and a Christian study or Christian education degree. So there's no sciences involved in any of that. Right. You know, it's, we read a lot. Um, but yeah, we're, we're very different. Uh, Zach is much more mellow, I would say. Uh, very smart, very, very intelligent. Um, even keeled. Even, I, you know, I jokingly say that I'm, I'm, of the three guys, uh, I'm definitely the least smartest person in the room because they're both pretty brilliant, my dad and my brother. Um, I uh, just, you know, I, you know, you grew up in a house where you had to be really sharp because um, yeah. there's a lot of wit. My mom's the same way. There's a lot of joking and a lot of wit going on, and she's very smart and um, a good thinker. And, and so you just kind of had to be ready for that. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, yeah, I can't think of a time, you know, dad always used to say, you know, he goes, uh, you know, you don't have to raise a child. You have to raise an adult because we're born children right. and we automatically know how to be children. So, uh, the, the role of a parent is to raise an adult. And so I think he challenged us and treated us that way. Sure. Um, you know, when we were pop guns, well, pop guns, there was the fun, <laughs> but there were also things like this, you know, we were yeah. sitting around one day. My friends and I in high school, we were getting ready to graduate, and we maybe we were in college, but we were all, you know, everybody's griping about their curfews they mm-hmm. had in high school, about how their parents never let them do this, and they were strict or whatever. And um, I remember my dad being in the room, and, and I could not think of a curfew that I ever had. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I said, you know, did I ever have a curfew? And he, he kind of looked at me, and I went, no, they didn't. And he said, yeah. He goes, no, my expectation was to raise you to know what was decent and the right thing to do and let you make that decision on your own. Right. And so, you know, my brother and I, we were never out late. We never snuck out of the house. Well, okay, confession time. We did a couple times. <laughs> I can't lie. We did sneak out of the house. Sorry, Mom, Dad, if you listen to this, we did sneak out of the house one time, and uh, not Zach, but me and my friends, and I might have hung off an interstate road sign. Cool story. Cool story. So if you ever hear this... <laughs> 
Yeah, we did that. Um, yeah. And you We're made all a, young and stupid at one point. I'm 46 now, so I feel comfortable that I can share that without you getting in trouble. probably won't get grounded. I probably won't get grounded <laughs> for that. But yes, we did sneak out and hang from an interstate uh-huh. uh, billboard. So yeah. just so you're aware of that. Um, where was I <laughs> before? Um, Talking about how a great idea it was not to yes, have not a to share curfew. The, not to have a curfew. Yeah. Only did it once. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, but you know, we didn't. Uh, we didn't get in a. Well, okay, I did get in trouble at one point. Yes, you. Did. I made some poor choices with friends, and uh, between my eighth grade and my freshman year, I did get arrested um, as part of a, uh, a a gang, for lack of a better word, of suburban middle class kids <laughs> who got yeah. into vandalism and burglary. Um, you know, you, it makes it sound tougher than it really was. We were just a bunch of, you know, punk kids who were skateboarding and got bored and somebody broke into a building that we went into and they ended up ransacking it and trashing it and did thousands of dollars worth of damage. We thought it was abandoned. It wasn't actually. Yeah. Uh, there's never really an abandoned building. Somebody owns every building. Right. Yeah. Somebody Even owns. the government yeah. so, will take over what is not owned. And we were terrible <laughs> criminals because we did it next to a fast food place where everybody saw us do it yeah. in broad daylight. Yeah. So. Uh, there were about 13, 12, 13 guys who got arrested. For uh, the record, you're still just as sneaky as that moment. Yeah, I'm still a terrible <laughs> criminal. Um, so, you know, we got arrested and we were truly looking at uh, uh, juvie. A um, mm-hmm. couple months in juvie and community services and fines and everything. And I remember my dad sitting there because, you know, this is one of those moments where, uh, you know, he's kind of seen it coming. Yeah. Just by my behavior and not listening to him and making poor choices. And, uh, you know, I had a habit of lying all the time. Mm-hmm. And I remember him saying this, saying, you know, when you go in there, um, you know, they're going to ask me if I can trust you, mm-hmm. what you're saying. And he looked at me and he goes, what am I going to tell them? Mm-hmm. Because you lie to me all the time. And that really stuck with me, even though I didn't, you know, it wasn't an overnight fix i didn't you know i had a lot of bad habits and you know obviously we're all sinful mm-hmm. and so it's hard to break those things but it, it stuck with me because that was the moment where it's like you know what your your word matters it, it matters yeah. the kind of person you are right because what you do communicates something to everybody else and uh, it's hard to change that perception right even when you're in the right Right. You know, it, 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 even when you're in the right, if, if you have this habit of being this person over here, people aren't going to believe it. And so uh, that was kind of the thing that kind of stuck with me. And fortunately, what ended up happening was, uh, you know, nobody went to juvie. Everybody got fines except for those of us who told the truth, which true disclosure, I did tell the truth that night, um, confessed to everything that happened and, you know, ratted out my friends. I'll admit it. Um <laughs> They got fines and community service, so it actually ended up being, in the long run, better for them. Um, but the good news is, is we were living in central Pennsylvania at the time because we had mm-hmm. moved from Charlotte, and it was my first exposure to public school. I forgot to mention that. You know, I'm in public school for the first time, right. and I, I don't think public school automatically means you're going to crater, but um, it was hard. It was a hard transition because I'm going from the south to private. central Pennsylvania, south, Southern Baptist private school to uh-huh. central Pennsylvania, I definitely stick out. I was in my fifth grade play uh, because it was a Western because I was the only <laughs> one that sounded like a cowboy, according to them. Or close enough. Close enough. I had a Southern accent, so I got, automatically got to be a cowboy. Um, and of course, at the end of the play, all the moms are coming up to me, oh, you're so adorable, right. because I talk funny. Right. Um, I don't sound like them. 
so, you know, that was a really difficult, I would say middle school was probably the worst, one of the worst times of my entire life because I kind of had this identity crisis, which ultimately led into that issue with the police mm-hmm. where I was trying to find this place of acceptance, which, you know, having been married to me for 15 years, acceptance yeah. is always the struggle for me. Yeah. Um, it's the one that you will always fight with. There's always one thing you fight with your entire life and that's mine. Um, so struggling in that acceptance led me to, uh, make really bad decisions and ultimately leading to that, uh, that arrest and kind of a few months of really terrifying thinking you're going to go to jail, you know, but in, in the end it ends up being okay though. You know, I was bullied and, and I, you know, I got beat up kids would follow me home. Mm -hmm. I felt ultimately that I was never on safe ground. You know, you go to school thinking that any minute it's going to be a fight. Like you would go to school nervous because the people that you hung out with, you didn't know if they were suddenly going to turn on you because that's just kind of the culture. Right. Uh, Everybody needs a a pick, you know, a person to pick on. Everybody Mm -hmm. needs a punching bag. And, uh, you know, nine times out of 10, I'm the punching bag. So, uh, right in the middle, well, you know, we get to high school, things are okay. I'm starting to learn that, uh, you, you know, my defense mechanism was to be really a smart aleck, mm-hmm. right? And to be kind of wanting to be the center of attention. So I was kind of like a class clown. And what I learned was people didn't like that either. So right around freshman year, I just decided to kind of try to withdraw as much as I could my sophomore year. And I remember, uh, you know, that tended to work because in my sophomore yearbook, most of the quotes are, you know, you're much more quiet and not as like obnoxious this year. I mm. like that. You know, there wasn't a, hey, we're good friends. It was like, you're so much more quiet and that's better. Mm. And so that's hard. That was hard. And, and you try to figure that kind of stuff out. And then what ends up happening is my dad transfers to Dallas. And now you see where we start getting closer. Yes. In our stories. This is where our stories start to converge. So I moved to Dallas my junior year of high school. Yeah. And I end up going to this high school that I went from a high school of like 300 people to a high school of 2,500 people. Yep. Which was awesome because I was I was capable to f- kind of blend into the background. Right. And it was good for me because that was where my dad and my mom... We had been involved in a church in Pennsylvania, but they really, the search for a good place for us to land, a good church for us to land, led us to one that uh, ultimately be kind of became, it became my safe haven. It became the place where I made most of my friendships, the lifelong friendships I have. And it's also the place that I was discipled uh, very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, my youth pastor at the time, Dave, Dave was the guy who really took a group of us guys under his wing and, and why I'm... Uh, I, I don't want, I, I hate the word passionate because it's overused, but you know, why I have this desire to watch students be discipled and grow was because right. of Dave. Right. And he took a small group of us said, Hey, you guys are going to be my Bible study and you don't really have a choice. Cause he mm-hmm. was a football, he had been a football player, really big guy and intimidating. So we were all terrified of him, even though we loved him to death and we still do. Um, you know, he took us and built this Bible study and I remember him, wh- what was so uh, what stuck in my head was when Dave uh, explained to us what it meant to be a disciple is that it's not anything you're doing but living in dependence on Christ because you can't live that way because even though you possess everlasting life by just believing, and, and, I, be, and I know that, that the Bible says you believe you have everlasting life, you know, you have this life to live, but you can't do that in isolation and apart from God. And so the whole Spirit is who is 
empowering you for that. And, and I never got that because I'd always been trying to just be a good kid out of the fear that maybe I wasn't saved or I was trying to prove it or I was, you know, so I made all, and, but at the same time trying to be uh, both, uh, you know, accepted by this group of people and also accepted at church. And so, you know, Dave kind of helped me see that and embrace that. And he was the guy that made me want to be uh, a youth pastor mm-hmm. down the road. Yep. And I made some really good friends, lifelong friends, very core group of guys that we spent a lot of time together. We're still uh, good friends, even though we don't see each other very often, but you get us in a room together and it's like we, right. we go right back to being uh, who we were. Um, I went to college, the same college at first that you did. I went to UNT yeah, just a few years for apart. a few years apart. Well, yeah. you were in middle school when I started college. <laughs> I was. Yeah, yes. we do have a little bit of an age difference. We, we do joke about that. But I went to UNT for two years and did terribly. Yeah. Cratered. Um, you know, I'm not sure I knew you did terribly. No, oh, I did terribly. I had a 1.5 grade point average. Yep, my you first, did terribly. I did terribly because I didn't go to school. Yeah. I was commuting. And so I was driving from my parents' house. I just didn't go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I almost failed out. Um, brought the grade up the next semester and then was there for another year and then uh, became a camp counselor uh, in Colorado during mm-hmm. the summer, which I loved. It was another step towards being in ministry. So uh, I, I think something that's important about your story is where my story happens, a lot of it in college as far as um, kind of your your shock and awe or your big moments. The growth moments, yeah. Your, a lot of your stories happened in high school. Yeah, high school right. was, yeah, high school, middle school. I mean, middle school up to that point was the big one. I mean, middle right. school was just so bad. It was it was probably right. the most influential thing. Um, to this day, I still, you know, there's still things that are impacting from that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I go off to college and uh, it was funny because uh, two of the girls that I worked with at camp got this bright idea that we were all going to move to Colorado and buy a house and live there and go to school. (laughs) Commune! Yeah, so I come up with this genius idea that I'm going to move with two girls to Colorado. Yeah, you are. And uh, much to the consternation of the parents involved, um, and I was older than them, uh, ultimately what ended up happening was uh, finally some sense was kicked into my head and I had to be the one to say, hey, you know, this is not a great idea. But I remember that's when dad, my dad said, hey, you know what, you know, if you want to get away yeah. and go out on your own, you could just go to Lubbock and go to Texas Tech. Right. That's five hours away. It's far enough away. You know, you can get in with your grades yeah. and you might like it. So went and checked it out and ended up going to Tech. Um, loved it. I love Lubbock, believe it or not. I love mm-hmm. being out at Tech. I made, again, more friends that I'm even closer to than my high school ones. Right. Um, and I love it. And it's so funny to watch that even later in life, some of us have circled around and we can get into more detail in the next part of that because there's some stuff there that's. Yeah. But I was an RA and I majored in English and I graduated. And, um, you know, I love that time. Uh, definitely. And, uh, you know, th- I used to say, you know, I was really awesome in college. <laughs> college was where I was <laughs> I super was amazing. Awesome. I was amazing in college. And then I don't know what happened, but uh you know, you're right. I think the most uh, impactful stuff happened in at least up to that point were middle school. And, uh, you know, there's going to be things down the road that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, but I think that's where that seed was laid, uh, middle school, high school of, okay, you know, maybe ministry, maybe being this pastor, maybe being a youth pastor is this thing that God wants you to do, um, mm-hmm. though it would take a long time to get there. 
And I think that's part of the story that's coming up in another episode. Well, I think your story is unique in college because you had a lot of leadership type experiences in college yeah. that a lot of people don't get until much later in life. Well, yeah. I mean, I was an RA mm-hmm. and uh, I did go off to grad school for uh, educational administration and I ran a dorm for, you're not supposed to say dorm, it's supposed to be a residence hall, but I ran dorms for three years. Yeah. Um, had a lot of failures truthfully mm-hmm. um, very few successes but it taught me a lot I wasn't mm-hmm. a very good one um, I was a lifeguard manager and I was awful yeah I was a terrible I mean I look back and I think god I was such a terrible leader yeah I was a terrible hall director terrible yeah. leader but it taught me a lot today right. that I hopefully I'm at least a decent leader right um, so yeah I did have a lot of leadership I dealt with a lot of crisis situations with college students yep and we can talk about that again that I think prepared me for that mm-hmm I've seen the worst of people. I've seen the worst of college students. I've mm-hmm. seen the best in them. Um, I've seen things that I would never wish. I've dealt with things I'd never wish on anybody to have to deal with. Right. Um, but at the same time, what that does is it gives you a little bit of resolve. So, um, but I think that's where you know. Eventually, I would get into ministry, but I think I had to go this long road. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll talk about it. And I'll talk about it later. You know, it was wasn't always fun. And it was frustrating, but. Uh, you know, if this is the first chapter of right. that and kind of the, right. the see the start, you know, um, I want to save that for another time. So. Yeah. so in talking about your childhood, what is one great memory that you have? OK, so I have a lot of great memories, but this one it cracks me up and I haven't thought about it in a long time until you said it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a great example of being a dad and a father. So my dad made up this. Uh, I got this idea that we were going to take this guy's camping trip. Mm hmm. And we were really, really, really going to do it right. How we old were, were you? Oh, third or fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach was going to go with us. It was going to be just the three guys. And we were going to do it the right way. We were going to build a lean-to. Yeah. We weren't going to bring a tent. Because moms hate that. Yeah. <laughs> we were going to bring a lean-to. We were going to sleep with uh, the top open so we could Mm-mm. see the stars. I need a cabin. Yeah, I know. And pillows. And and uh, we were going to uh, uh, you know hobo stoves and all this stuff. It was really cool. And we get out there, and it's great until the sun starts to go down. And uh, something across the lake, because we motored in on a boat and on this mm-hmm. lake, something killed something across the lake. It made this horrible sound, like this scream. It was terrible. It was probably like a bobcat or something, but it really freaked me out. And I was already nervous in the woods. So we, we have dinner, and we do the whole thing with the foil meals and stuff, and we climb into the lean-to, and my brother immediately just goes to sleep because he could sleep anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm, every noise, I'm just like, what is that? What is that? What is that? And uh, I feel like I'm the only one awake. Nervous. Nervous, yeah. scared. Everybody's asleep. I'm in a not in a great place camping. And at about 2 in the morning, my dad goes, hey, Nathan. I said, yeah. He goes, are you awake? I said, yeah. He said, I miss your mom. Do you want to go home? (laughs) That's so sweet. And uh, I don't know if he was doing it because he knew I was scared and that was his excuse. And it might have been that was his excuse. Uh, But I just remember that. And so we, and and, and now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably what it was. He knew you were going to be He knew I was freaking out. So he just made up this excuse that I miss your mom. So we packed up in the middle of the night, (laughs) in the dark. You're, motored across the lake. You're a sweet brother. He's such a trooper. I know. <laughs> motored across the lake, got in the truck, drove whatever the hour, two hours, whatever, got in. We got in at like five in the morning. I slept all day. 
Yeah, pretty much. And uh, so I remember that because it was just a, such a funny moment. But, you know, it's one of those things I find out a lot of the stories with my dad. I look back and I go, oh, wait a minute. Now I get what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I thought it was this, but really he was doing this. And, and we have yeah. a funny one in our relationship um, that we'll get to the, the lunch. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a funny story. Yeah. So, anyway. So that's the first part of my chapter, uh, okay. or for first chapter of my book, and uh, we really appreciate you guys if you're still listening, and mm-hmm. that was interesting in any way, shape, or form. We appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, we don't know if this is going to work or we not. We don't know, maybe. But, but uh, We thought, if nothing else, our kids have our history. Yeah, the kids have the history. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. So if you've got any feedback or something you relate to, you can uh, reach us at thepodcastingleads at gmail.com. That's just one word, thepodcastingleads. And uh, we will uh, continue to do this, and hopefully we will be getting these out uh, much with much more regularity. Yeah. Um, and then we'll see where this branches from. But we'd yeah. love to hear from you. We love uh, talking with people. And if there's anything that, again, you relate to, let us know. Until next time, this is Nathan. And this is Kim. And you have a great week.